I'm excited about this sermon series we're beginning. I don't know about you, but I hate to be lied to. I hate it when somebody looks me in the eyeballs and tells me a lie. Uh, Something that we had to learn, not the hard way, praise the Lord. Something we had to learn when we first moved to the GTA almost six years ago. Um, You don't always answer the phone when your phone rings, right? One of the reasons for that is there's a lot of scam calls out there. You have a package with FedEx that is held up at the border. And if you provide all of your banking details, then it can be released. Or you owe some kind of duty or customs for a package. And so on and so forth. We hate to be scammed. There's something within the human nature. We just, we hate being taken advantage of like that. And guys, if I can just start this out We live in the golden age of religious scams. We live in the golden age of religious scams. And it's not a generally a charismatic person like it has been in the past who presents well, sometimes it is. Where we normally think of this person is just lying to people. This person is scamming us. This person is a cult leader or something like that. It's just through the simple algorithm of Googling a question that will give you the very first one, two, or three answers. An algorithm, listen, does an algorithm determine truth? Or does it just tell you what's the most popular answer? The most popular answer. Here's another question. Can companies pay people and the machine, whatever that is, the system, right, to get their answer to be bumped up to the top? All of our internet people, yay or nay? Absolutely. So if I'm asking a question that is religious in nature, should I automatically trust whatever answer pops up first on the Googles? No. Here's another question. Can we trust whatever Wikipedia says? You say, what's Wikipedia? Don't worry about it. Wikipedia is like an online encyclopedia, but it's community sourced. Did we know that? Okay. So that means if someone has a different opinion about, for example, what the Bible says, and they can quote a book on it, and even if they can't, then they can go in there and change the entry of what everybody goes to as the source of truth. And because of this, we live in the golden age of information, but we live in the golden age of misinformation. 
Okay? So we're going to look at a couple of tests. We're only going to look at one today. The first test is this person. The Bible word is false prophet or false teacher. Okay? We're going to look at what, how do we know if this person can be trusted? If we can willingly digest everything that this person has to say. The first point that we're going to go to is Matthew 5. Actually, it's Matthew 7. Sorry. Same sermon. Jesus preached a sermon that lasted for three chapters. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? But in chapter 7 and verse number 15, we'll just look at verse number 15. Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. We'll ask the Lord to bless this time together and then we'll get into the first test for false prophets. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would teach us wisdom now as we approach your word. Lord, help us to understand that we can't trust everything. We can't trust everyone. Some people have been lied to and some people know that they're giving out misinformation, but they have an angle. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would give the Sparrow Baptist Church discernment in regards to what they should willingly digest. Father, help me as I preach. Lord, I pray if there's someone who is listening and they've never yet trusted Jesus as their savior, I pray that they would do that today, accept him with their whole heart. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that we as parents of small, tiny children have to be very aware of is the stage when they begin to walk. When they go from crawling to walking. Oh, it's a big moment. Look, 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 look. There they go, there they go, there they go. And maybe you were there for the first steps or maybe the, the child was secretly walking around the room for days before you, before you ever caught them walking. But nonetheless, two things happen as a parent. You were so excited that they were finally walking. Wow, look at that. They're growing. They're getting strong and they're a bit wobbly and they're kind of doing one of these numbers, right? And they're kind of inching themselves along and sometimes they kind of light out and they just sprint across the room. And everybody's cheering and it's a grand moment. But also, you realize as a parent, uh uh-oh, now I really have to watch them because they're going to get into everything. Some people go so far as to put locks on everything. All of the drawers are locked. The toilet is locked. Oh no, what's happened now? How do you get this open? Right. And one of the, the biggest thing you have to be you have to worry about children at that age is they want to put everything in their mouth. Somehow this is the test of whether or not it's good or bad. And they have no idea if it's edible, if it's just maybe not clean, as in it's dirty, or if it's actually poison, right? One of the things parents will do is they'll take everything that is poison, like cleaners and 
and these types of things, and they'll put them up high so that some child doesn't accidentally grab something without the parent's knowledge and say, uh, and then they come in and they find horror of all horrors. This child has ingested something that's poison. We can see the heart of Jesus in him being the great shepherd of our souls that from the very beginning of his ministry, he teaches in his first public recorded full-length sermon, beware of false prophets. He does not want his sheep, his followers, those that he loves, he loves everybody, but those that are following him, he does not want them to accidentally grab something that is harmful to their spirit and to their faith and ingest it by way of belief. Now I am trusting what this other person said. I'm trusting what this social media post says. I'm trusting what this university professor says. I'm trusting what this other pastor or this other teacher or reverend or priest or guru says. Jesus says, well, you have to be careful. You have to be cautious. He says in verse 15, beware of false prophets. Now he gives us the whole idea of a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is where it comes from. And Jesus gave us that analogy. It says, which come to you in sheep's clothing, meaning he comes or she comes, uses he, but we know it's either or, comes and they look like us and they sound like us. They're in sheep's clothing. We as sheep, we as followers of Christ. He's our shepherd. But then the Bible says, inwardly, they are ravening wolves. They're looking to take advantage for personal reasons, whether it's because they're angry or because they're actually looking to take advantage of us. Jesus wants us to realize and know right away, just like we have to do a child. No, don't, don't eat that. Don't eat that. You see this? No, bad, bad. And you have, you have to accept the fact that this child is no longer this innocent little baby lying in a crib who only eats things that you put in their little tiny protected space. And guys, sometimes as a pastor of a church or preachers of churches or pastors of churches who teach the word of God and love the people that are coming in, it's like, man, I wish somehow we could just all just lie around and baby bassinet spiritually and they can only eat what is being given them to eat. And I wish someone could do that for me. And I wish someone could, but that's just not reality. And that's not what it means to grow and mature in faith. The fact is we are going to go into bookstores and look in the spiritual section. The fact is we are going to go into the, the goodwills and the value villages and look in the spiritual section or in the philosophy section or in the biography section. We are going to Google things. We are going to look on Instagram. We are going to watch YouTube for little advices on life. And we have to realize, if I am going to survive this, doesn't mean we're going to go to hell. It means that we're going to have a healthy, 
spiritual life based on a foundation of truth, not based on a foundation of a mixture of lies and truth. And Jesus said, beware. That is the spirit of the lessons that we will look at over the next little bit. And again, we'll take a little bit of a break because of Christmas and that's appropriate. But I plan on doing four lessons of just, hey, together, let's beware. And so what is the first first lesson? Okay, let's look at the verses that we have been working on together as a church. First John, that's in the back of your Bible. So if you go all the way to the back, you'll hit Revelation. Okay, so we want to go a little bit forward of that to first John, meaning there's a one in front of the John. One John. First John chapter four. And we'll begin in verse one. First John four and verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit. That's how we should start if you're in the right spot. It's a little confusing sometimes, even for those of us who have been in church for a while, because there's actually four books in the New Testament called John. There's John. First John, second John, third John. And then there's Jude, which sometimes gets confusing because it starts with a J. And by the time the pastor's read the verse, you're still trying to find, you're lost in the woods of all the J's and the John's. And you're like, what is happening? Where am I? What's what's happening? Right? So 1 John 4, it starts, Beloved. Now he's talking to Christians. Just like Jesus was saying, beware. Same spirit, same attitude. Okay? Now, again, before I continue to read, we have to accept the fact that there are bad people out there that are willing to take advantage And there are two thoughts, two extremes that we can do. Instead of beware, it's, no, that's not true. It's all basically the same message. They're good people. And and, and what they're saying doesn't sound bad. And, and, And the world even goes so far as to say, we're all trying to get to the same place anyway. And they call him Allah. And they call him Muhammad. And they call him this. And they call him that. And they call him Krishna. And they call him Ganesh. And they call him the Buddha. And they, and, and, and Virgin Mary, Jesus. I mean, come on. It's all basically the same thing. So there's ones who just like, it's all food. Put anything in your mouth you want, which isn't true. We wouldn't accept that, right? Is this food? Is this, no, of course, that's not going to digest. That's going to hurt me. Then on the other side, there's people who are like, yeah, it's all wrong. It's all evil. Everybody's looking to take, I just, I'm not going to any man's church. I've been told that to my face before. By the way, it's, it's the church of Christ. He died for the church. It belongs to him. It's not my church. It's his. Amen. Right? Any kind of religious teaching, you know, it's just, they're all correct. And they just, they just want to burn the fields. Everybody's wrong. I'm the only one that's right. And they take their own logic or their own discernment, they call it, or their own perspective, and now they've elevated it to now they're like basically God. I'm omniscient. I know all things. I'm everywhere. I kind of have been everywhere, which isn't possible. And so on and so forth. And so scripture, throughout scripture, it teaches us, no, no, let's practice discernment. 
Let's practice beware. Let's learn what is spiritually edible or trustworthy. How can I trust it? How can I pick up a book and say, okay, yeah, I think that'll mostly be good. Or I'm going to follow this particular speaker. I'm going to follow this podcast. Or I'm going to follow this YouTuber. Or I'm going to follow this channel that talks about this kind of stuff. And I can mostly follow that stuff. By the way, we have to be cautious because sometimes it doesn't say it's religious. But nowadays people look to psychology as if it were religion. Is that a true statement? It's absolutely a true statement. Religion may be a little suspicious. Psychology, you can trust all of it. Well, psychologists don't even say that. <laughs> Ooh, a little bit of spirit of doubt right now I've got. No, it's true. They don't even, they, they change their minds constantly. They're constantly learning. It's a, it's a soft science, they call it. Are we, are we agreeing with this statement? Okay, okay, we're on the same page here. So we need to be cautious. We need to have discernment. We need to be able to say, ah, you know what? I might, eh, me. no, that just doesn't take, no, that's, that's bad. That's spoiled. Savannah, my daughter, she has an amazing nose. And not that as her father, I don't think her nose is super cute. No, I'm talking about her ability to smell and determine whether or not things are Spoiled. We call her all the time in our house. Savannah, come here. Smell this. Oh, daddy. That's, you know, that's the, oh, daddy. That would be a great sermon series title. The Oh, Daddy series. Oh, daddy. Right? But that's kind of hard to, you know. She's like, no, it's good. We're trusting her. I mean, honestly. So whenever, whenever we have to stay out of church because we're sick, it's basically her fault. I'm just teasing. That's not true. Right? So back to 1 John, verse number, chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. We see that right away. Now this is when, we're, and we're going to get into all of these verses. The first five verses are, 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 are foundational to the point that we're trying to make. Believe not every spirit. Okay? If something is termed to be spiritual, even, listen, even if somebody says there's no spirituality, only science exists, there's no spiritual world, that is an assumption or a statement of truth about spirituality. Believe not every spirit. Okay? But try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, it says test them out. Now, thankfully, it not only tells us to test them out, okay, but it tells us how to test them out. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now that was at this time. At this time, there were many false prophets. Verse two, hereby know you the spirit of God. Oh, here it is. First test. Verse, verse, number, verse number two is the first test. This is how we know. Hereby, we, hereby know, we, uh, know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That's the first test. And it goes on and it gives us the other side. It gives us the positive and now it gives us the negative. Verse three. And every spirit that confesseth not. It doesn't give us any wiggle room here. He wants us to know 
what we can trust and what we cannot trust. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist. And we will talk about this in just a moment. The spirit of antichrist is against Christ. There is a spirit of Christ and there is a spirit of antichrist, meaning there is an active opposition in this world against Jesus Christ. Whenever we encounter someone who gives us a lot of negativity and even the spirit of mocking because we're a Christian, guess where that comes from? The spirit of antichrist. Now, there will one day become someone. There is a, 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 an individual, a man in the end times. We're not going to get into that. And he will be known as the Antichrist. That will be his name in a sense or his position. He will be kind of this messianic figure. He will be this person that is renowned around the world. People will love him. They will follow him. The Bible teaches us his message will be one of peace. Guys, just because someone says peace doesn't mean we automatically listen to everything they have to say. Some poisons smell and taste like candy. Amen. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. I love this verse. Because greater is he that is in you. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who, who is he talking about that is in the world? Who's the bad guy? Satan. Satan is the bad guy, okay? And Satan operates on fear and he operates on lies and deception. And if we're not careful, when we look at all that opposes Christianity, we will then think they're so big and so strong, right? And we'll, we'll be tempted to be really small and live this life of fear. But isn't it amazing? This, this, this verse is so powerful, Notice the contrast. Greater is he, one, that is in you than he that is in the whole world. Listen, there's a famous quotation. I'm not sure who it's from, but I've heard it repeated several times. The world does not know what to do with a bold Christian. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if Satan can get us to operate our Christianity in fear, not that we're going to be brazen and brash and uncouth. No, no, Jesus wasn't like that. But Jesus didn't live a life of fear. That's not what he taught us. The righteous are bold as a lion. That's what it says in Proverbs. But the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Don't we see that? Don't we see people, uh, something flashes across the screen or somebody whispers and everybody says, ah, they're just running in fear, running in fear. What now? What now? Running in fear, running in fear, running in fear. And all the Christians are just standing there like, 
What are you guys so scared about? That ought to be the way it is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the point we're trying to make here is that when we're looking at false prophets, which I don't plan on going through a giant list, that would be impossible. Okay, because they pop up all the time. But we don't need to approach this topic with fear. Some people may come to church for a little bit and then they realize, oh, you can't trust everything out there. And so then they're just like, oh, I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to recluse back and I'm just going to stay in my condo and I'm just not going to look at anything ever. And I'm never going to come out and I'm not going to really try to, no, come on. That, no, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay. Jesus wants to empower us in the right way. He doesn't look, Jesus is not interested us in, interested in us getting a little sugar rush. Okay. Uh, there are some churches out there, their, their, their template of ministry is, I want to make you feel good. You come on in and you can, and I want you to feel good. I feel good, feel good. Jesus, Jesus, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good. They don't really get into the nitty gritty. They don't ever tell you anything that's a little bit negative. Because that would be a downer. And that would be a little sad. But that's not reality. Jesus equips us. He doesn't just say there's false teachers out there. So you should really be afraid all the time. Of course not. He says, oh, and by the way, since you're a believer, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's what I'm talking about right there. And that's where we need to live. Amen. Verse five. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world and the world heareth them. They are of the world. There is a, one of the tests that we'll get into later. If everybody is believing something, that might be an indication that we may not be able to completely believe it. And with the internet nowadays, it's not just a local thing. It's worldwide. Something flashes across the internet. There's a way of thinking about things. We have to accept that we as Christians, we have a different perspective. Why? Well, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We'll get into that later. We want to look at verse number two and look at a couple of verses and then we'll be done. First test of false prophets the first test of false prophets, the deity of Christ. The first test of false prophets is the deity of Christ. Number one, do they believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? The first test for a false prophet is this. Did Jesus Christ, notice in verse number two, look with me in verse number two. This is the first test of false prophets. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Okay, now look right away, false prophets. Everybody, everybody look at me. First test of false prophets. They want to divide Jesus from God. That's the first test. The first test is they want to divide Jesus from God. If you look at any religion, this is the, this is the question. The first question. The first question is not, are they nice people? 
Now, everybody should be nice. Some really, really bad people can be nice in person. It's called being an actor, right? Okay, that's not the test. The first test is, can I believe this person? Can I believe this message wholeheartedly? Can I trust everything that is being said here? Right? We've heard the phrase before, you need, we all need to learn to eat the fish and spit out the bones. Right? You guys ever gotten a, a bone kind of stuck a little? Right? And, 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 and it's frustrating. You go to a nice restaurant and you think, you know what? I'm going to be a little different today. I'm going to be a little adventurous. Give me the fish, you say. You're all excited. It comes out. It's steaming. Oh, it's soft and it's succulent. Oh, my... And it's so delicate and it's amazing. And it's got the little cream sauce and the capers. And you're kind of, you know, feeling really good about yourself because you got the rice and not the potatoes and the steak, right? This is a light, fluffy meal. It's amazing. And then what happens? In your mouth, doink! <laughs> who, put, who put sewing needles in my food? No, it's bones, brother. <laughs> you can't have fish without bones. Right? And, and, and the best restaurants are the good ones, right? They try to get them all out for you, and that's good. But you still have to be a little cautious when you're eating fish. I mean, let's be honest. Unless you're eating tuna out of a can, which, again, they just kind of, they're in there somewhere. They grind them up. They're in there somewhere. Right? We okay? You've got to learn. <laughs> You've got to learn. Oh, this, this guy looks so happy on the cover of his book. His teeth are so white. And he's got a beautiful smile. Man, does that suit look good on him. She's got the most amazing hair. Look, that smile on that. She's gorgeous. And that smile. Surely you can trust them. Oh, come on. That's the oldest trick in the book. We know that we can't just trust a pretty smile or a pretty face. And it doesn't mean that if they're pretty or they have a pretty smile that they automatically can't be trusted. That's not the, that's not the point either. Right? We have to ask this question. Okay, so you're, tell, you're, 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 you're trying to teach me this philosophy of how to be better at life, how to be successful, what to believe. You're trying to give me some pointers. You're trying to help me understand the Bible perhaps or I bought a book on this or that or another. First question. This is what always needs to be in the first. The first question. What do they believe about Jesus? Oh no, I think he's good. Ah, wrong answer. Ah, who in their right mind, I mean, some people think Jesus is bad, but who in their right mind would say Jesus is bad? No, no. The question is, do you believe he was Emmanuel, God in the flesh? Okay. John chapter 10. This is, this is big brother John. This is without the first, second, third, right? This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 10. We're almost done. This is the first test. If we're, encounter, if, we're, if we're encountering some kind of philosophy, that's the question. If we're offering some kind of psychological advice, that's the question. 
Guys, it doesn't mean it can't be helpful. It means it can't be wholly trusted, 100%, completely uh, chewed up and swallowed down in everything that this person says. I'm just going to completely digest. Uh, I've been asked the question before. Are you trying to say everything in Buddhism is bad? Well, of course not. Nobody would say that. I have a Muslim friend. Are you trying to say they're all just wicked and evil? So confrontational. No. Honestly, any Muslim person I've ever met, they're really, really nice people. And so on and so forth. I mean, we lived in a foreign country. Many of them were Hindus, Buddhists. The sweetest people. But they have this stuff. This, uh, it's kind of like, ah, I hate saying it. It's kind of like ramen noodles, like the crunchy stuff in the bag that you kind of crunch up and boil, you know, it's like, but this stuff, they called it YY. That was the brand name, this Y, this stuff. And it, and you've got like this, this little, this little uh, masala packet, right? And you get the little spices in there and, uh, and it was spicy because that's, they love the spice over there. So this, and, and what they would eat it for a snack. So they buy a little package for like just nothing. I mean, they're so cheap. We're not even really sure what it, I mean, it can't be flour because it's so cheap. Like, how is it this cheap? And then you take it and you buy it and you crunch it up in the bag. You open it up and then you take the little masala packet and you sprinkle on the hard crunchy. So good. Oh man, right now my mouth's watering. It's amazing, right? A little salty, right? Just enough, just enough. A little salty, not, not healthy. We're not pretending organic here. This is just, this is packaged food, right? Okay, but delicious and, and, and spicy. And, and, and you walk up to someone on the street, never met them. You're standing there waiting for the boss or, you know, waiting outside a shop. You're waiting and it's just like, you want some? Yeah, I want some. Absolutely, I want some. Right? Are there great things that we can learn from other cultures and religions, so on and so forth? Absolutely. And we should allow others to teach us. But friends, we have to have a filter. Because some people are gullible. They think, oh my goodness, this person is so nice. Tell me everything that you believe about everything. And I'm going to now, that's what I want to be. And they're that for six months or a year and a half. And then life gets tough. And they meet the next nice person. (gasps) My yoga instructor is the most amazing person. Tell me everything. Go stretch out. Listen to the calming music. Find your chakra, whatever that is. Everybody's lost their chakra and they're going to the yoga studios to find it, right? Good for you. But let's be careful about completely digesting everything that somebody has to say just because they're nice people and they have some good qualities. It says here, John 10. Verse 23, Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? Oh, there it is right there. You, you see people putting the blame on God that it's, it's your fault that I'm doubting. Just tell us plainly. If Christianity is real, then just tell us plainly, would ya? Look, friends, the evidence is there. And Jesus is about to tell them that. You either believe or you don't. Okay. 
If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Listen, Jesus was his name. Christ is his position. Okay? Justin Trudeau, prime minister. Same kind of a thing, right? Jesus was his name because there were other people alive there at the time that were named Jesus. He wasn't the only one. And scripture tells us that. Jesus was his name, but Christ was his position. He came to earth. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't born in, in, in the sense of he wasn't created on earth. His spirit dwelled in the heavens previous. God, he was God. And when he was born of the Virgin Mary, and we'll get into this a little bit later with Christmas, this is part of the reason we celebrate, God with us, his spirit came and met that baby being formed in the, in the, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He came to earth. We didn't come. We were formed here. We were created here in that sense. We didn't exist beforehand, but he did. And so when it's calling him Christ, it's identifying him as the anointed of God. He was the one that was promised as God's son to come from heaven and to be clothed in flesh like you and I are clothed in flesh. And so when you see the name Christ, that's what it's talking about. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Lord Jesus, the highest, the Christ. And that's what it's talking If you're the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the promised one, the son of God, that's what it's talking about when you see Christ. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. One of the indications that you are truly a Christian and you have chosen Christ as your savior for your forgiveness of sins is you can hear his voice in your spirit. We say sometimes God speaks to our heart. He spoke to my heart. He's not writing to us in weird ways. Oh my goodness. I saw the fog on my vehicle when I started my car in the morning and there was a message. That was probably the kid down the street that drew in the dirt. Honestly. Uh, on the side of my car, Savannah wrote on there, I love daddy or something like that. And I was traveling this last week and somebody said, who's daddy? That would be me. Who wrote that? My daughter. Oh, God spoke to me. He came down. He did that. Come on. Right? People can get so weird. Try the spirits, whether they be of God, the Bible says. Anything that gives us a tingle, oh, that's God. But they won't listen to what he actually says in his word. Do we see that? Jesus says, I told you, verse 25, and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. You see that? How did he prove that he was the Christ? Through his works. He raised the dead back to life. Who can do that but God? I mean, not like, oh, I heard this story, secret whispers in the dark. No, 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 no. Lazarus, come forth in front of all of these witnesses. He comes out of the tomb. Are you kidding me? Calling him by name. 
One commentator said this. He says, he had to call him Lazarus because if he looked into the grave and just said, come forth, all the dead from all, uh, from, from all of the past would have come marching out of that grave. Because he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, my friend. He's not just a great religious leader. He's not just a prophet. He's not a great teacher that taught us how to live. He's the Christ, the Son of God. And that is the acid test, if I can believe what you're telling me about how to live my life. Because as a believer in Christ, and as a disciple of Christ, and as a follower of Christ, I'm believing what the Son of God has to say. I'm following him. I'm not believing in a religious teacher. I'm believing in the God-man. Emmanuel, God with us. And anybody that can call forth the dead, I'm on his side. How, How could he heal the blind? Because he created the eye. How could he heal diseases? How could he mend a leg? By speaking. Well, because you see, back before there was a world and before there was an earth, he spoke the worlds into existence. For him to heal a leg by speaking is nothing. It's nothing. The proof was there. The words were there. Tying it to the Old Testament scriptures. It was all there, but it requires faith. You have to be willing to see it. Give me the proof. Give me the proof. That's what they're saying. Isn't that what the world chants today to those of us who are Christians? Give me the proof. Jesus says, I have. And you didn't believe it. Give me the proof. My sheep hear my voice. Verse 30, Jesus said, I and my father are one. And if anybody tries to tell you, Jesus never said he was God. uh, Tell them that's not true. If you go to university, oftentimes this is what they'll say. Why? Because if you take away his deity, Christianity is nothing. It's nothing. How can he raise victorious over death? How can he rise from the dead dead if he's not God? You can't kill God, but you can kill his body. And they killed his body, and for three days it was dead. But his spirit came back into that that mangled body, and the heart began to beat again, and he got up, and and the stone was rolled away, and he walked out, and for 40 days walked around in the same city, in the same area, to the same people that had seen him before. You can't kill God. And he proved that by rising from the dead. He proved it. I and my father are one. We believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus here is saying, robed in flesh, I and my father are one. Man, did they get mad. 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Notice the again because he'd said this before publicly. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you for my father. For which of those works do you stone me? Then the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Some people try to get around the deity of Christ by trying to say he wasn't fully a man. 
that he was in an angel's body or that he was in some kind of heavenly body and it wasn't really a human body. It was a human body. They recognized him as a man. He looked just like every other Jewish man that was walking around in those parts. He didn't walk around with a glow. He didn't walk around three inches above the ground. He just kind of walked on clouds. His face wasn't blue. He didn't have a halo. It required faith, my friend, for you to believe in Jesus Christ. It required faith. It required faith as it requires now. It requires faith. They said, oh, you're a man calling yourself God, making yourself God. Verse 35, if he called them, uh, 34, Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the father hath sanctified and sent. Notice he's saying sent, sent into the world, meaning in heaven, sent. Thou blasphemous because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. What's the acid test? What's the first test? We can look at all that. I've got so many scriptures written down, but we'll be done. What's the first test? Before I grab the book off the shelf and completely believe every word, before I listen to the YouTube and say, that's the truth. Look at all the degrees they have. Look at his smile. Before I completely just put it in my mouth, chew it up and completely digest it. And now that teaching, listen, is a part of me. Before I do that, first question. What do they believe about Jesus? Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.